This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Okay, we're doing a a series in Mark's Gospel called Disciple by Jesus, uh, Life on Life Lessons, and with perfect timing, you'd think we'd almost planned it, and we've got two more to do in the series. So we're right, literally the crux of the story, right at the cross of the story. Yeah, let's let's go to work. This is a piece of artwork by a guy called Anthony, Anthony McAuliffe. Uh, I don't know where his name's from, but it's it's called Kill Your Idol. I don't know what reaction it creates in you. Kill Your Idol. It's clearly a a picture of sort of half-naked Jesus with a crown of thorns standing before the pop idol judges. Um, You can see Simon Cowell, can't you? Just on the left-hand side where he always sits with his face just kind of etched out. But it's interesting that this was part of a series of artwork called uh, Stations of the Cross. And actually, the, there's probably about 18 pieces. And they're hanging in a church in Marlebone in London. But the aim was for them to be posters on the London Underground. That, uh, you know, the play on Stations of the Cross, uh, that what the London Underground would do would Put, choose some of the, take some pictures of the artwork and put them on the uh, walls of tube stations. Now it's interesting because this piece of artwork was rejected. There's some strange pieces of artwork. If you Google stations across artwork, there's one of a, a quail hanging from a, a red balloon. And there's all sorts of bits of artwork that, that made, made the cut, but, but this one didn't. A spokesman for Transport for London said the, po- the poster was rejected because it did not comply with the firm's advertising policy. She pointed to a clause that said it may cause widespread or serious offence to members of the public. I don't know if, if that... Does anyone feel this offensive? I mean, I think there's an element where you could say, actually, it, it totally makes a mockery of Jesus. It, 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 it makes Jesus... Life looked like it's just kind of some trivial game show. But actually I found the picture quite interesting because it makes really comment on us. It makes comment on us as we, as a society, put Jesus on trial, as we form our opinions about Jesus, that actually we can be like those pop idol judges, those X Factor judges, just, well, that was a very good performance. Don't really like what you did there, God. Not really happy about that. Mm, if I was God, I wouldn't do it that way. Yeah, maybe, maybe if, you, uh, 
if you tried to just soften up some things and airbrush some things out of your act, maybe, maybe, we'd, maybe we'd go, yes. So what about you, Simon? Is it a yes, Jesus, yes for you or no? No, it's a no for me. What about you, Cheryl? Mm, I'm not sure. Probably Jesus. You know, maybe you need to come back next year. It's a no from me. Well, sorry, you've got four no's. Or whatever. And, and I think that, that society is constantly putting Jesus on trial. We're constantly uh, judging him. It's the inclination of the human heart to judge God. So, you know, with the classic one that you get on the Alpha Course or whatever is, why is there so much suffering in the world? And actually, the temptation is for us to point our fingers at God and say, well, you're the problem. There's so much suffering in the world, God, because you're basically bad, and you basically cause it, and you basically don't care. And, but we don't find ourselves judging ourselves and saying, well, actually, the basic problem with the broken world is broken people. The reason why, why the poor are poor is because the rich are rich. The reason why uh, the, the, the poor are starving is because we've got too much to eat. We, we never really quite make do that because it's easy. We want to do that. We tend to, to put God on trial and say, well, I'm not quite sure that you're really good enough. I'm not quite sure you make it to the level I want to make it. And, and it, actually, right at the start of the, the, the Bible story, that's what, what, what happens. Adam and Eve uh, asked, are you going to trust God? But actually, the, the serpent asks and puts, puts God on trial and says, God's holding out on you. He's not really to be trusted. There's a better life, a better thing, and he's, he's kept that for himself, and, and you're not allowed that, and, and actually he's just given you this. And although they've got the whole of paradise, they both say, so that's not enough. And they put God on trial and say, well, I don't trust you. I'll become my own God. I'll decide, actually, I'll be the judge. So the guys sitting here on the panel are thinking, well, actually, what our opinion is really what matters. What, 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 we, what we say about God is really what matters. But actually, I believe Jesus is standing here and judging us standing here and forming his opinion on us. And so I want to look this morning at uh, Jesus on trial, um, hash, his father's son. So we're going to read Mark 15. I'm not reading the whole of the trial, trial bits, but we'll read the bit with Pilate. This is very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders and the teacher of the religious law, the entire Jewish high council met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus and led him away and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you've said it. Then the leading priests kept accusing him of many crimes and Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they're bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's amazement or surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner. Anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who'd, been, who'd committed murder in the insurrection or the uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release to you the king of the Jews? Pilate asked, for he realized now that the leading priest had uh, arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, Then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus to be flogged with a lead-tipped whip and then turned him over to the Roman soldiers. 
to be crucified. Lord, we come to this trial, this moment of people passing judgment and opinion on you. We find this man Barabbas is thrust into the story. And I pray, Lord, as we look at this, that you would, as always, put us in the story. That we'd find our voice in the crowd, that we'd find ourselves standing where Barabbas stood. But more than that, Jesus, we'd find ourselves looking at you afresh, at your amazing love and grace and the wonder of your gospel. Amen. So, basically, there's been a trial number one. Jesus has been taken to the high priest's house, and they've said to him, are you the Messiah, are you the Christ, are you the Son of the living God? And he says, I am. So they're judging him, the high priest judging Jesus, and Jesus says, I am, and you will see the Son of Man, which is quite in Daniel 7, the picture of a glorious Son of Man who comes to rule the nations and judge the nations, and you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds and the authority of heaven. The high priest tears his robe and says, blasphemy, we've heard enough, this man is worthy uh, to die. And the the whole kind of trial, which is slightly illegal anyway, because it's at night and it's not properly constituted, ends in this kind of riot. It it disintegrates into uh, the the, the judge tearing his robes, and then they all rush at Jesus, the crowd, the jurors, imagine that case, you're watching a kind of a jury scene, and actually the, the, the accused says something. Imagine the judge getting down from the bench, the jurors climbing over the, the benches, uh, the, the, everybody, the, everybody just running to Jesus and s- smacking him, spitting at him and saying, you deserve to die. So interesting, isn't it, that, that, that they felt they had the right to pass judgment on him. That they felt that they, that, that they had the power of life and death over him. That, but Jesus says, no, no, no. You might stand there to judge me, high priest, but actually there's a time coming where I'm going to judge the whole earth. And they are appalled and angry. And the whole thing ends in a riot. So Jesus is then taken to to the Roman governor's house, to Pilate's house. It's very early in the morning. The uh, Romans, uh, rich Romans would do their business early. They would rise early, do their business early, and by 11 o'clock they'd finish for the day. They'd go to the baths or they'd eat or feast or whatever. And so it's very early in the morning and he's, uh, Jesus is brought to uh, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate's house. Um, Jesus is brought in, but the, 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 the Jewish leaders don't go in because they don't want to go into the house because it's Passover and they defile themselves. So there's a small kind of gathering crowd outside and Pilate is questioning Jesus. And if you know the story, uh, Pilate's basically asks him questions. Don't you know that I've got power to kill you or hand, you know, or set you free. And Jesus says, you wouldn't have any power if it wasn't given you from above. And they said, well, are you a king then? He said, well, yeah, I have a king. I am a, a kingdom, but my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate's kind of trouble with him. And, and Matthew records that Pilate's wife comes and says, whoa, 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 don't have anything to do with this innocent man. She said, I've had a dream last night and I just, I, I know he's innocent, just let him go. And so Pilate, in one sense, once would like to let him go. Let's give Pilate the benefit of doubt. The Roman governor, he doesn't want to condemn an innocent man. Jesus is nothing to him, but he doesn't want to condemn an innocent man. He doesn't want his, to, he didn't want to just ignore his wife. But actually, the, the interesting thing, when it, when it first comes to judgment of Jesus, he's scared of the people. He's scared of the people. He can't please Jesus and the people. 
And we face that. We face that in our lives. Sometimes you, you, you can't have everybody love you, everyone say great things about you, and have Jesus. You can sometimes have, have the uh, acknowledgement of the crowd to say, yeah, 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 we like you, we're happy with you, or you can have Jesus. Pilate's faced with this dilemma. Does he, do, does he have Jesus or does he keep his job? Maybe my job, is, is it Jesus or my job? No, it's my job. What about my comfort, my wealth, my influence? Or Jesus, what am I going to have? This man's innocent, but what about my influence? This man's innocent, but what, but what about my job? What about my comfort? What about my family? What about them? So he's faced with this dilemma. He's almost, he doesn't want to, he don't want to judge the trial. He don't want to judge it. You know, he's going to take a bowl later on and wash his hands and say, look, I'm innocent of this man's blood. He, he, he can't do that. But he doesn't want to judge Jesus. But actually he thought, oh, I've got a way forward here. I've got a little, there's a little ruse, a little game I can play. So the Passover and you can release a, uh, a prisoner. Mark writes, it says, it now is the governor's custom each year during the Passover to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who committed murder in the uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release the king of the Jews, Pilate asked. But at this point, the priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas away with him, they said. Interesting, isn't it? Why does Pilate feel he should release a prisoner ex, uh, at Passover? Does anyone know? Can anyone, you can answer at this point. Why do you think Pilate thinks, oh, that would be a nice little kind of thing because the Passover's going on. Why does he think we'll release a prisoner? Anyone want, want to play? Anyone know? Why might he do that? Yeah, it could have been Passover. Think Passover. What happened at Passover? What's Passover about? It's about the people of Israel being set free from captivity, from slavery. God sets them free. So how very typical of the Romans to think, well, I'll play God. The divine Caesar, he's God, we'll set someone free. We have the power of life and death, we'll set someone free. And in one sense, it could have seemed like a compliment to, um, to the Jews, but actually I think it's an insult. Because he's... Caesar's saying, well, I, I can play God. Caesar's representative Pilate. I can play God. Pilate thinks he holds the destiny of these two men in his hands. That he has the power to do what he wants. He's got the power to judge. He's got the one to put Jesus on trial. But actually, the truth is, he, he creates an awful dilemma. But it shouldn't have been a dilemma. He says, who do you want? Who do you want? Do you want Jesus? He's already been beaten and battered by the high priest and they're spurting him and hit him. Or do you want Barabbas? Who do you want? Do you want the son of the living God or do you want a murderer? He doesn't put it that way, but that's what he's asking. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's outrageous that you should do that, isn't it? It's outrageous to say, actually, Jesus has done nothing wrong ever. Do you want him? Or do you want Barabbas, who's a murderer? Who do you want? I, I don't know. What, what do you expect the, the, the people to say? I, I think he probably said, well, we'll have Jesus. And he's off the hook. He thought, we'll have Jesus. But actually, it doesn't work out how he said, but, but we've got some kind of clues in what's going on because actually 
Barabbas means son of his father. Bar, Abbas, Abba. It's just a bloke. Son of his father. It's kind of, in that sense, it's completely anonymous. Son of his father. Daughter of his father. He's just one of us, in that sense. It doesn't, there's nothing about him that says, oh, this is him, this is him, this is him. But he's, he's, he's a, a child of his father, like one of us. That's me, that's you, that's us, that's, that's who we are. And actually, the truth is that actually, we've got more in common... We've got more in common with who? Barabbas. In our natural state than we have with Jesus. You think, hang on a minute. I, I, I'm not a murderer. What did Jesus say? If you're angry with your brother, he says it's badass. Murder. Oh, Jesus, come on. We've judged Jesus. Don't we? That's not very 21st century. It's not very enlightenment. If you're angry with your brother, same as murder. Come on, let's get some perspective here, Jesus. We'll judge Jesus. We're all guilty of rebellion. What? We are. We're part of that uh, uprising of humanity against the rule of God. It says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. And that's what we're like. We, we, we say, no, there is no God. We, we, we can do what we want. The very fact that they feel they can judge Jesus says they're part of the uprising because he's the one who's supposed to be judging everyone. He's a judge of all the earth, but yet they think, oh, we'll put him in the dock. And we're, we're guilty as him, that we should declare ourselves God, that we should declare ourselves good. It says in Isaiah, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Isn't that our society? That's our society. I'm shocked. You know, in my 53 years, stuff that used to be called good is now called evil, and stuff that used to be called evil is now called good. And we've decided what's right and wrong. We've done what Adam and Eve, what they said, we'll decide what's right and wrong in our own eyes. We don't need you, God. We've usurped his authority. Imagine saying actually all the legal pronouncements of parliament were overturned. I know the UKIP thinks that's what's happening anyway with Europe, that actually the parliament's got no authority. But imagine that, that somebody, we just said actually every law in this land, no, we just, we run our own law. They say you're, you're a rebel. Anarchy. Everyone does what, does what is right in their own eyes. That's what it says in, in, in Judges. And, but yet, so we stand... We stand where Barabbas stands. And we might think that's shocking. I'm a nice person. I've done good things. No, you stand where Barabbas stands. You're a son of your father. You're a son of Adam. We're all sons of Adam. And we're all guilty. And so it's like this situation where it's like, okay, so what is, what's going on here? Is it, who are you going to have? Are you going to have sons of Adam? Sons of their fathers, humanity, Barabbas, or are you going to have Jesus? Who's going to live? Who's going to die? Is it, are we going to live? Is Barabbas going to live? Or is Jesus going to live? Because the bottom line is, one of them's got to die. One of them's got to die. You can't have both. It's, put it that way. Jesus or Barabbas, what is it? Who are we going to have? Is it, it's you or Jesus? Someone's got to die. That's how Pilate sets it up. That's the gospel writer doesn't create this story, but actually this is a story of human life. If Jesus dies, you live. If Jesus lives, 
you die. That's how he sets it up. But yet, what do the crowd call? Put yourself in the crowd. What do the crowd call out? Away with him, give us Barabbas. They don't call him Jesus. Away with him, that person, give us Barabbas. What was it about Jesus that offended them? Was it his miracles? Was it his love for the poor, the oppressed, the broken, the sick? Was, was it that that offended them? Was it his teaching that was, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you? Was that, was that what, what offended them? What was it? Why were the crowd so offended with Jesus and so apparently in love with Barabbas? Pilate says, well, what crime has he committed? Why are you shouting away with him, crucifying? What crime has he committed? We deserve our chains. Barabbas deserved his chains. Jesus didn't deserve his chains. What crime has he committed? But the crowd shout, give us Barabbas. Away with him. It's interesting that we'd quite like Jesus out of the way. Society would quite like Jesus out of the way. So Easter... Yeah, we'll do Easter eggs, bunnies, you know, the Easter bunny or whatever it is, and latest thing from America. But Jesus, no, that, he might cause widespread offense. If we have Jesus, if we talk about Jesus dying, that might cause widespread offense. C.H. Spurgeon says, why did they choose Barabbas? He says this, his goodness is too offensive for us. In other words, He's so good, he makes you feel bad. I don't know if you're ever around those kind of people. I'm about to go on a, a three-day dads and lads uh, with my brother-in-law. Uh, it's called Simon, and he works in a project with the, the poor and homeless. And he's like really, really good. He's the super husband, the wonderful father, the mighty king. The ever, you know, he's, he's wonderful. Uh, when, when I'm around him, I don't feel bad, but my wife feels, hmm, only, she doesn't say this, she's very good. If only you were like Simon. Is he ever, does he ever do anything bad? Does he ever lose his temper? And, and you, you think, away with Simon! <laughs> because he's making me look bad. I think there's a bit like that. There's a, there's a sense that his goodness is, a, Jesus' goodness is a silent witness to our own lack of goodness. You don't talk about Jesus in polite conversation. We were out for dinner on Friday with some, uh, some friends, and it's really interesting. There's one couple who ask us, how's the church going? Did you get the job at Pates? What's happening with this and that? They ask us kind of good questions, but it's really interesting. There's two other couples. When you mention Jesus, they just go like, and then, when the, and then, oh, oh, it's fine. The conversation's moved on. Let's talk about golf or fast cars or diets. But it's like, don't talk about Jesus. It's offensive. No, no, no. We don't want to talk about Jesus. Get him away. No, get him away from us. Uh, I I think there's a universal sense of shame that all humanity feels, and we feel it more acutely when he's around. Spurgeon says, the world loves sin. Rather than Jesus. Ooh, this is heavy, isn't it? I'm glad you came. But this is a story. This is the gospel story. Let's not... 
you know, Easter talks, if you want Easter bunnies and Easter chicks, and there may be some churches in town that are doing that, but we're not doing that this morning. We're trying to say, well, what, what's, what's the story? And I'm thinking about this, and I think, the world loves sin rather than Jesus. But actually, I thought, Howard, do you love sin more than Jesus? I wrote this. What does your diary, your bank balance, your internet search history, your TV guide, your words, your hopes say about who you love? Do they whisper, do not give me Jesus, give me wealth or ease or comfort? Do not give me Jesus, give me safety or success or popularity. Do not give me Jesus, give me a spouse and two kids and good local schools. Don't give me Jesus, let me be in control. Let me save myself. The crowd cry, away with him. Give us Barabbas. Imagine Barabbas, how he feels. He's kind of chained up there. And he's got no way of getting free. There's no way that Barabbas is ever, ever going to live. They are not going to let him go. The Romans didn't do that. You're a murderer, you're an uprising, you've got one destiny and one destiny alone, crucifixion. What, what, what did Barabbas feel? He's in the cell, here's the crowd making a big to-do, there's a noise, whatever, and they come and get him. He's been shot, they've heard, crucify, crucify, and they come and get him. What does he expect? He expects them to take him and think, right, this is my moment. I'm going to be taken and killed. I'm going to be taken and crucified. This is my moment. They take him out. But the crowd says, give us Barabbas, and and they unlock him, and he he walks free. He just walks out free. It's scandalous. He walks out free, and Jesus says nothing. He doesn't say, hang on a minute. What about Barabbas? He's a murderer. What about me? I'm good. He silently says nothing. The voice from Pilate, says, well, I'll have, I'll have comfort rather than Jesus. The crowd says, I'll, I, I'll, have Barab- I'll have sin more than Jesus. But there's another voice here. The voice of God who says, actually, Barabbas, you're free. Son of man, you're free. Sinner, you're free. He, <laughs> I, mean, I love the story because, I mean, just, they let him go. I don't know what he did. I mean, if it was me, I would have done a, a kind of stage dive into the crowd. <laughs> Whoa! Hello, my people. I am the rebellious one you love more than that. Who is he, anyway? You know, he's like, yeah, high five, Barabbas. There's no sense that, 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 that Barabbas falls on his knees and says, I, the guilty one, has, has gone free, and, and the innocent one's died. Jesus, I owe you everything. He's just like, no. But there's a voice from heaven, isn't there? that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, there's another son of his father here. There's another Barabbas here. Who is it? Jesus. Who's he? He's Barabbas. He's a son of his father. He's a son of his father. His father says, though, from heaven... My son will die. My son will die so that you can go free. 
Judah Smith, who's a great preacher from the States, who preaches this sermon much better than me, put it like this. The Father knew that God would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas's like Jesus. Great, isn't it? The Father knew that he'd have to treat his son, the son of his father, this son, would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas, Barabbas's, me and you, like Jesus. This is a gospel story, people. This is a gospel story. As we go Easter, this is a gospel story. It's like, let's not forget this is the story. This is the story we're in. That we're guilty of shame and sin and death. And if we don't think it, then you, you, guys, you need the God to teach you. But actually, the more you walk with God, the more you're aware of two things. How wonderful he is and how guilty you are. And it's not that you live all life, oh, I'm a terrible sinner, I'm a terrible sinner, but you're aware of it. Imagine that it's you standing there and, and you get unlocked. And you get to walk free, and then you turn, and you see Jesus being led away and whipped, beaten. Then you see him led away with a heavy cross and crowd shouting and angry. You, you see him go away, disappears to the distance, and you know where he's going. You know he's going to the cross. That's the gospel, guys. That's what he did for us. We sang a hymn at my father's funeral. He was a good guy, my dad. And he said, I want this hymn. It's called Man of Sorrows. It's an old hymn. John probably knows it. One or two may know it. But there's a line in there that says this. In my place, condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. In my place, condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. The gospel puts it like this. He who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The perfect son of the father died so that we could become sons of the father. That's amazing, isn't it? We, we were sons of Adam, we were sons of our father, and we had our father's traits, we had our father's weaknesses, our father's shame, and we think, man, I'm so ashamed, but actually, that, that Jesus, the son of his father, dies on the cross so that I could become a son of the father in heaven. It's, it's amazing, it's scandalous, it's ridiculous that we should be free and he should die. I am unchained and Jesus is chained. I walk free and Jesus goes to the cross. I stand forgiven and accepted and loved and he is alone in the dark, abandoned by his father. That's nothing to do with Barabbas. He'd never earned it. There was no merit in Barabbas. They didn't, Jesus didn't look at Barabbas and think, well, Barabbas, you, <clears throat> you're good enough, you've earned it. You, you, you know, I know there's the potential in you to be a good person if you just clean up your act. There's nothing in Barabbas <clears throat> that makes Barabbas go free. But you know what happens is when you become a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, you start to think, actually, oh, no, no, there really was. <clears throat> there really was something why I got to go free. Maybe I'm a good person. Maybe I, I've been to church a lot of times and I've done good things and, you know, I give my money in the box and, 
and, and I do all these good things and, you know, my marriage is in a good place or I'm good with my relationships. Maybe, and we start to think we've earned it. We start to think that it's our efforts. We think if we double our efforts, we refocus our energy, that we can live right. Yeah, thanks, man. So when you're faced with sin in your own life, what's the answer? It is. It isn't try harder. It isn't do better. It isn't scrub up, put on your mask, wear a nice face, do that. It isn't that. Paul says, having begun in the Spirit, having begun with Jesus is the only answer, he dies so I live. He says, why are you carrying on in the flesh? Why are you trying to do it yourself? Only Jesus can save you. This is still the story to change your life. You think, oh, my life's a mess. What I need is something else. I need someone else other than Jesus. What I need is some counselling. What I need is some medical help. What I need is some, uh, some finance. What I need is this. What I need is this. What I need is this. But actually, the whole story of Abel's van says, who do you need? You need Jesus. Oh, I think it's far too simplistic. Come on, let's grow up. Let's be 21st century. There must be something else. But actually, this is it. Jesus, enough. Jesus is enough. It's just him. He's enough. It's not if I had a bigger church, I'll be enough. If we had this, it'd be enough. If we really did live the vision that we were trying to live, that would be enough. No, Jesus is enough. My life's been damaged and hurt and I've had stuff done to me and I've done stuff that are so bad that I'm so ashamed. Jesus is enough. But you don't know how much I struggle. Jesus is enough. You don't know how hard it is for me. On my own, no cash. Jesus is enough. We can fill our life with a thousand empty saviors and believe me, I try at times. But actually we have to believe that Jesus is Enough. His death sets us free. Judas Smith finishes his sermon on this so brilliantly. Google it. It's ten minutes. Does in ten minutes what I do in, well, yeah. <laughs> he says this, stop trying to save yourself. Believe the gospel. Believe there is a God with a love so scandalous, so overwhelming, so deep and wide and high, so vast, so forgiving, so welcoming, so self-giving, so fatherly, that it changes everything. Barabbas, you're free. Go and live your life. It's a scandal, but it's true. Let me ask you this question as the guys are getting settled. Do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? That you're like Barabbas and only Jesus' death in your place can save you. It's not Jesus plus someone else. That only Jesus' death can transform you. Even Only his life can set you free. We're praying early as a little group as we do at the start. And somebody prayed, we kind of believe it, but we struggle to live it. We struggle to live like, I am 
a condemned death row deserving person and I've been given life. We play our poor old me, my old life. Man, imagine what Barabbas felt like. I don't know if he ever came to Jesus, but all the way through his life, you know, he's thinking, he died so I can live. Every choice he made, every step he took would have been defined by, he died so I can live. Not just a little idea on the sideline. He died. He really died. He was beaten and whipped and mocked and crucified. Died and cut off from his father so that when he's risen, I could live. That's the story. That's the whole story. That's the Easter story. It's shocking. But if you've never entered that story, if you've never thought, if you've never thought, yeah, this is me, are you a Christian? And I think some of us, we know we are, but I just want us to stand now and just let the truth of he died for us, this is the Easter story, come and filter into our lives. Take our poor old me's, our I'll try harder, I'll do better, I need something other than Jesus, and just at this moment say, Jesus, you are enough. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.